Okay, it is the 26th of May and you are very welcome along to episode episode 3 of the Football Pod. We're getting there, lads. Andy Moran, good morning, good afternoon, how are you doing? Paddy Andrews, how are you? All yeah, good, yeah. Yeah, all good, Tommy. Paddy Andrews, you had your punditry debut at the weekend. How did you feel? Oh, it was great. It was great to be down at a live game and to be fair, it was a pretty good game to be at <laughs> down in Turles. Uh, it was funny and I was only saying to, to John Duggan on air, that was the first time I had been back in Semple Stadium since 2001. That was the last game I was at there. I'd never gone down to a Munster hurling final, any of that stuff. So the last time I was in Turles was the All-Ireland quarterfinals, those famous Dublin Kerry games. I was 13, I think, at the time. Uh, so it was cool to go back down there. It was great in terms of getting in and out. An hour and 40 minutes up the road, no traffic, parked at the gate straight in. So uh, no, it was a great game to be at. And you know what? I know we've probably said it loads of times and you've heard people over the last year, like you miss the supporters, but Jesus, if the supporters were at at that game on Sunday, even though it was a league game, I could picture the Kerry fans, particularly in that third quarter, would have been loving it. So uh, no, it was great to, to kind of get back down and also interesting to kind of get a, a bird's eye view of what what both teams were looking to do and things like that. So yeah, very interesting and, and an enjoyable enjoyable day out, all right. It must yeah, what, be... I, what, what I loved about your punditry, Paddy, was just before that last quarter, like when you were saying the dogs are home and dry. <laughs> then they came back to you. Then they came back to you a few minutes later, and you go, "Oh no, no, the game is still alive." Oh, no. uh, I was going to turn the mic off at that stage. Yeah. Oh, no. I was like seven points up, five minutes into the second half, and I was like, "Lads, I might shoot off early." <laughs> well, no, Jesus Christ! Yeah, you're a veteran at this at this stage. You're doing it a year now, so you're you know what you're doing. Paddy, Paddy's learning the ropes. He's getting in there. No, and he's like Gary Neville there. Like. No, yeah. no, I, re- I remember Paddy right last year. We were, I was up at the Mayo Tip game. And the goal, remember there was a big uh, thing about the Galway Cork ladies game just before Parnell Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The moving so, the venue and all. Yeah. So, of course, I didn't listen to the radio on the way in. Right. I was on the phone the whole way up to Dublin and right there. And I said, Can you imagine the phone call? I said, The girls getting this morning saying they're playing a croaker, not a Parnell Park. And Joe, Joe Malloy was just like, No, Andy, no. Turn no. <laughs> <laughs> off your mic there. <laughs> and I didn't really understand it. He came on afterwards. He said, No, no, there was a big, 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 big trouble. I, I must, uh, I must dig out that clip. That's very yeah, good. Yeah. Speaking, of, speaking of punditry, we have a tweet in um, from earlier in the week. Uh, Andy, somebody was reading your column in the mirror. Uh, yes. You've got a, a deep-seated love for Football Italia and those great days in Channel oh. 4 in the 90s. Who uh, doesn't? Who doesn't? Joe wants to know, who is the best playmaker that you've ever played with in Gaelic football? Oh, great question. For me, it would be, obviously, for me, oh, you'd have Kevin McLaughlin, you'd have Kieran McDonald, you'd have all these guys in our... McDonald's, yeah, our, 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 our attack and half backline was huge for, I suppose, driving through and you looping and kicking a score and stuff like that. But McDonald was a genius in all terms mm. of playmaking and he probably fitted into that number 10 Italian soccer, Totti kind of. <laughs> uh, but like, it Andy, he, he would uh, not have looked out of place playing with Lazio or Romero. But, uh, but I'll tell you, ta- ta- uh, would have been stunning. I'll tell you another one, Paddy, right? So it would like another guy I was in college with, right? Uh, <laughs> ca- 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 hey, Carl Lacey, lads. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Another guy, the tan. The white boots, <laughs> good-looking boy, and he—he he was just a sensational player. Like he was just uh, like kicking. Like I often think about that Donegal team, and McGuinness is all—they're always on about McGuinness putting men behind the ball. But it was men behind the ball with a plan, and they always had Lacey out at right half back, not at centre half back, and they used to get the ball to him. And if you look at the two goals they scored against us in the All Ireland Final mm. in 2012, 
directly from Lacey, direct ball to Murphy for the first one and a crossfield ball for the second one. He just, he could see the game. He could slow the game down to his pace and he was just, it was a joy to watch. And then there was another guy called Raymond Mulgrew from Tyrone. You might have oh, mentioned yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, a brilliant minor player. Oh, brilliant. And they like, won the minor in Ireland. He was amazing, yeah. Yeah, he's from the same club as uh, Mulligan, you know, and uh, uh, two headers. But they, they, he was just, he could see the game in a completely different light. Like he could just see stuff that you know, other the normal players just can't see. And it was just, they were great players. So Lacey, Mulgrew, and obviously from a Mio point of view, McDonald. What it's, was, it's funny you say that just on, on Carl Lacey as well. I remember playing a Sigerson game. Um, so this is like early February and there was two guys on the pitch, Hailstorm hail and two lads had the most amazing tan. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, where are these boys from? One was Carl Lacey and Mortimer was on our team for DCU. And the two boys looked like they were straight out of Marbella. They spent the winter down in Marbella and it was like two absolute shapers. Great players, but very out of place on a cold February Sigerson day. There's a famous story that Mort never put in the book about Marbella, I think. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, he went. Without, <laughs> say there's a few stories. He, yeah. he went without telling anyone. I think he did a few exams that week. All of a sudden, but there was no exams. <laughs> I think he was in Marbella, but that's we let more tell that one himself. We might bring one as a guest later on to uh, talk Jesus, about that one yeah. himself or something. Talk to, us, yeah. talk to us about McDonald, Andy. Like well, when you were breaking through, uh, he was already a star. He was already when you came into that panel. What was he like? Oh, McDonald's, he was, I remember, right, 2004, we, he didn't, he, he actually, he won an All-Star in 04, his only All-Star, which is just really? insane. And he, uh, he wasn't even in the squad when we went to New York for the first round of the championship. So we're going out, the country is taking off, it's in the boom and we're, we're flying, you know, and <laughs> Mohan, Mohan used to pick Business me. class. Over yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah, yeah. We, we came home from New York, had a great weekend training in New York, came home and we, uh, we're, we're in, I'm in the back of John Mahon's car with George Golden and we're driving to Kildare to play, play a challenge match and uh, driving up the road and, and he goes, I'm surprised for you today and I was like, what's this book on about? He goes, McDonald is there and I, you should have seen it. Lads. First day back, he hadn't played for Mayo since the league of 2003. He was in and out a couple of years before and kids just used to just yeah. go to him. So the game was over. No one knew who McDonald was really if you were a kid. But after the game, there was hundreds of kids around. Charlie McCreevy arriving in to cut the red ribbon on the helicopter, flying <laughs> off. The place has gone mad. there. Yeah, yeah. Was around it, 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 yeah. I think McCreevy subbed in for that one. But it was just, that was my <laughs> memory of McDonald. And then I played it, as we said in the first podcast, played a tiny bit of soccer back in the day. We were playing with Longford. And we used to have this Dublin goalkeeper called Gary Casson. And it, playing, playing under, and we were doing the false course that was kind of full-time at the time. And he was saying, Andy, don't go playing. Keep with the soccer. John, we're having great crack. And I, I go, listen, I know you hate Gaelic. Watch the game tomorrow. <laughs> so the game against Nemo for St. Paddy's Day was on the next day. I oh, said, there's yeah, going to be a fellow playing center half forward wearing socks up to his knee. I said, watch him and then tell me the Gaelic is shit. So Casson, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in on the Astro the morning after doing a few touches and Casson comes around the place and he's just shouting at me. Like he goes, oh, your man is brilliant. He was like, he, was, he clapped. He had the white socks up to the knee. He was spinning balls. Uh, bit of magic. Right yeah, yeah, but he, he had that aura where he could get people to love the game. And yes. I, I think... We're afraid of people like that in the J. We're afraid of people who actually get people to come in and admire the game. And as managers and coaches and us moving into that kind of thing, 
is I think we need to encourage guys like that. And it's our job as, as coaches to get the best out of them fellas. And the, 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 the lad was a genius. Yeah. Like, the, the one at Parnell Park, 2005, he was captain. And we did the warm-up. John Morrison and Moran used to bring us all the way around the pitch. Or this was in six, 2006. And yeah. uh, we, we used to go, And there was about 50 young Dublin lads that followed us the whole way around the pitch. McDonald, <laughs> you go over signing autographs before the game. You know, I've never seen that now or you know, then yeah. just he was that sort but of But that's it's characters as well, Andy, isn't it? It's yeah. like he was obviously an amazing player, like and you were watching him. And I know from talking to even our lads and our team, when you're growing up, like you don't really have that those type of players anymore. It seems that it's gotten so tactical, it's gotten so rigid and things like that. But but someone like McDonald was just box office like. Mm. Do, do you know what I mean? I remember Danny, he had a similar effect when he burst on the scene mm. with Kerry. It was just mm. something new and it's like, Jesus. That X factor. Yeah, we haven't really seen that before and things like that. So you were you were okay. a minor. You were a Dublin minor in 06, Paddy. Were you, were you there that day when McDonald broke Dublin hearts? I was. I was I was on the hill. I was on the hill. It was... Um, and so you got, a, yeah, you got a good view. You got a good yeah, view. Yeah, we, t- we were thought we were going to win that one as well. Dublin were seven <laughs> points. So my brother was playing. It was actually Patter's last game with Dublin. And uh, I remember like Dublin hadn't been in an all the final since 95. So it was 11 years ago. And it was kind of peak pillar and, and that Dublin team. Um, and yeah, they went seven points up. I think did Alan Brogan get the Palm goal or Jo? One of them got to start the second half. And you're like, this is the dubs were singing on the hill. Yeah, all, all that stuff. Uh, and Mayo just reeled them in, reeled them in. What an amazing game. I remember it. But that score at the end, did he? Not, he didn't get an all star that year, Andy. No, no, he was actually he was actually quite poor in that game. The game in general, like Dublin, yeah. just were athletically they were very Dublin strong. Were top, but, very yeah. strong. Alan, Alan Brogan right. had a great game. Yeah. Brogan had an amazing game, and Bonner, even Jo, had a great game that day. You know, so yeah. Conal Keeney, I think, on one two one three that day. They were just yeah. they were a really good team. It was a late surge from Mayo. What was your role? What was your role in the mid at the hill, Andy Morn? My role, ah, I was just great. Oh, that was before the game. Yeah. 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 See, see, I avoid, I avoid hits. Like I, I've actually. Avoided, I know you do. Yeah. I, I, I avoid attacking. <laughs> Same as me. Like, yeah, but we this guy called Trevor Howley, and the Dubs decided to do this kick and drill from the forty-five into the end line. So it was kick and basically follow the ball, just nice and easy, get yourself going. So Howley decided to stand in the middle and shoulder everyone like. You know, so yeah. he took about he took about he took about thirty shoulders. But like, how did he was knackered on? after us? Yeah, yeah, how did he come on and leash at the quarterfinal? Couldn't come on the day against Dublin. It's two shoulders. Killer <laughs> <laughs> yeah. few Yeah, he yeah, was yeah, just hitting yeah. everyone. Ah, but it was so it was some crack. I'll never forget just running down the hill and the place just went mad. But even the whole atmosphere around that was just brilliant. Coming in on the bus again, the country. Yeah. No one was going to work on Monday. Like you know, Mondays were yeah. a thing of the past, and it was just this, yeah, Celtic, a peak yeah. Celtic. Yeah, it was just Every, it was, yeah. what a time what a time uh, crazy like. stuff but listen Dublin were a better team than us but we, we stole it got to a final we might have we should have let Dublin get to the final <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot to come back to from that game lads and a lot to come back to from your soccer careers that we'll come to another day maybe <laughs> but uh, we might just get into the football we might get into Kerry Dublin and Semple last weekend and I would like to fast forward to the 42nd minute and Paddy Andrews, <laughs> you were saying that the dubs are home and hosed. What happened next? Kerry outscored them by eight points to one in the next 15 minutes. The third quarter, yeah. It was what um, um it may sound really basic, um, but Kerry pushed pushed up. They brought a bit more energy and a bit more enthusiasm around the middle. I don't 
I don't I think it's any coincidence really. Kerry made a couple of changes there. David Moore and Paul Geeney came off at that stage, and I was kind of looking down. The, the two boys were shattered, like Geeney had been trying to play out, out at wing forward. And that's a hard position to play. Um, he's not naturally a wing forward, you know, and, and particularly against Dublin, you, you do a lot of running up and down the pitch. David Moore had been marking James McCarthy, and five minutes trying to mark James McCarthy is enough to, to tire any man out. So you could see the two guys, really senior leaders for Kerry coming off, but they were knackered, like. Kerry brought in a couple of younger guys, Adrian Spillane, and these guys came in. And you could just see, and particularly from where I was sitting, they were looking down. At that stage, Kerry was seven points down. And if the game kept going the way it was going, that would have been a big, big blow to the players, particularly to Peter Keane um, and where they were at. And you could nearly say, you could see it in their body language. It was like, we need to do something. We need to push up. They pushed all over Evan Comerford's kickouts. The younger boys came on to, onto the side. All of a sudden, the, the time that Dublin had had on the ball coming out of the fence, they started turning over Dublin defenders. They took the ball off of Sean McMahon. They took the ball off Davy Byrne. They intercepted even Brian Fenton. And you're thinking, it, it's so rare you see these things happening. But it was it was that basic. They're, they're Paul Murphy pushed up. Paul Murphy scored two points in that quarter from play. He'd been kind of sitting back. He was trying to deal with Niall Scully in the first half and just playing passively. Kerry's hole from their half-back line to their midfield, they pushed up about 15 yards. And all of a sudden, the Kerry half-back line are essentially playing midfield and they just condensed that side of the pitch. They started winning steals and Evan coming for its kickouts, but they were all over Dublin. Sean O'Shea, and you could hear particularly with no crowd, once Kerry got a turnover, like they turned over Sean McMahon and the roars, it was just an energy. It was an energy. It was an attitude change. It wasn't really anything tactical at all. It was just more legs around the middle of the pitch. And all of a sudden, the space and, and nearly too much respect that they had been paying to Dublin, particularly in the first half and the first few minutes of the second half, that's what changed. And to be fair, they looked like they had probably a bit more in the legs than Dublin as well. I think Dublin probably tired a little bit. Uh, Carrier probably a few weeks further down the road in terms of training and stuff like that. But but that it was a simple. Ah, I can't let you away with that one. <laughs> I can't <laughs> let you away with well, that one. Carrier well, a few weeks further down the road in terms of training. I, 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 honestly, I would say in terms of, of looking down at the pitch, the athleticism that Kerry showed. At yeah, no. Dublin did look the target because, lads, the but, first half, at half time, Dublin are, are nine points up. Or, sorry, six points up, and then total control of the game, like causing all sorts of hassle for Kerry. Mm-hmm. And that game was going one way, and you're thinking, Jesus, this is bad for Kerry. So the big switch in the third quarter, like I say, they push further up the pitch. Paul Murphy starts attacking instead of worrying about about Scully. Ty Morley went down to Conor Callahan, and all of a sudden he was all over him, and they were just getting in their face. Did he stick with? Did he stick with Conor in the second half, Ty? In the second half, their, their matchups were a lot better. I mean, we might touch on that on, on where Kerry struggled mm. when, when we start talking about that. But in terms of the things they did well and what they changed, it was just, you could see it. They started hunting in packs, three or four guys sprinting across. And this is the thing, when you're talking about tactics and strategies and structures, and you could spend weeks building up to a game and going, you need to be here and you need to be here. The bottom line that underpins all of that is an attitude and a work rate to go and do it. And guys can kind of fall back on and say, oh, well, I was sticking to the structure or this was... If you could see, Kerry just said, we're throwing the jackets off here. We're getting humiliated. We need to go after Dublin. And that was their attitude. And all of a sudden, they started getting those turnovers. And then all of a sudden, David Clifford is getting the ball in space 30, 40 yards out from goal. 
and clipping easy scores where before that Fitzsimons was all over in the first half and Kerry were just struggling. They were second. Their pace was slow. They were standing off Dublin. Way too much respect. And if you do that with Dublin, we touched on this in previous pods, they're going to kill you. They, they will kill you. They have the quality and composure on the ball. And Kerry talked about it at comfort zone in the third quarter. And that's a big lesson for them to learn going into the summer and a, and a big lesson for Peter Keane. But like I say, the personnel changes as well. Like it did have a big impact you now having yeah. that energy around the middle and that was probably where Gini and Moore and to be fair to them were struggling at that stage we have a couple of questions in about David Moore that we might come back to a little later on Andy is that what you were seeing were you seeing the the change in attitude in mentality how easy is it to switch that on no the there's, 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 Dublin? if you look at the first three Dublin goals right they, they, they mm. actually come indirectly now after a long period of play they come from a short kick out Right, so similar to what we were saying, but to Roscommon, if you give the best team in the country the ball, you're not going to get it back. And what that happens is, in that transition phase from back to front, it becomes really hard. Then, really hard work. So the likes of the guys who mightn't be big aerobically, like Paul Ganey, David Moore, and these guys, okay, they're going to struggle in that transition phase. And all of a sudden, you're going to create that overlap. You're going to get Con with lots of space inside of him. You're going to have an opportunity for a long ball like what Con got for a second goal. Do you know what I'm saying? So there's going to be opportunities to come from that. And if you look at the goals, come for a kick it right, left to right, to move it, move it, move it up the field. It ends up on the left wing. Con's one in over the top for the first one. And then you have Small coming in for the, 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 for the third goal. They're very, very similar, but it's the transition and it's the tyrant in between. So that's what I see. You bring on Spanan, you, you take off the two boys, you bring on the two lads with energy. Now you're pushing the kick out. Now you fellas aerobically fit enough to do it. It fits, the players fit the plan in my, in my view. And then all of a sudden you have it. Like if you see what Darren Moynan did to McDade, you have two guys there who are really athletically strong. Yeah. So you've, like McDade doesn't trouble Moynan going back because Darren can just stick with him. And then, but like, if you have Paul Ganey, who's then marking, who was he marking? Uh, he was at, Davey Byrne actually came out d- d- to wing d- back, and Davey Byrne is flying up the pitch. And, and he flies up the pitch. Then Ganey struggles with him because he's used to playing inside forward line. But if you put someone like for like in there, and in fairness to Peter Keane, this is what he was trying to do last year against Cork when he played O'Bigley at wing forward, mm. and he was looking, he was looking at the Dublin game really. So, mm. but what I'm saying to, if I was a Kerry supporter this morning, I'm saying, why not play? David Moore, why not play Ganey against other teams? And then if you're playing Dublin, maybe pull one of them. So like we used to do with Barry Moore, for example, right? Barry Moore was the best player in Connacht, I would say for three out of the four years when we first started, <clears throat> 12, 13, 14, 15, them years. He used mm. to get man of the match all the time in Connacht. But if we go up and play Dublin, Barry used to play. He used to come on as a sub or he used to, do you know what yeah. I'm saying? He, he might play every now and then. Not because he got any ba- worse or better or not because his form dropped. Simply, he didn't suit, suit the team we played against. Horses for courses. And, and that's that, that's the role of the manager and kind of understanding that, but also having the, I suppose, the mentality and the confidence in yourself and, and explaining that to the players. And, go, Look, it, and sometimes, and we would have done it with Dublin on their gym as well, you're changing guys and it's not necessarily, you haven't played badly or you haven't done anything wrong, but but this is this is an area we need to really target against this next opposition. That's why we're playing him. And it's hard for players to say because like, but you haven't done do, anything wrong. He used to do with Ono Guerra quite a lot, Paddy. Yeah. Jesus, you could be warming up for the Dublin game and then you'd hear over the channel, Ono Guerra places, just say it's you, Paddy, Paddy Andrews. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you, the, the manager, Stephen Rattler or James Owen or so on, has to create a completely different plan different thing, for that yeah. person. So it's a change. Like, And Ono Guerra could have been very poor in the game previous, but Gavin mm. didn't care for it because all of a sudden it unsettles me over 30 
30 minutes. Do you yeah. know? So there has to be a bit of tinkering. And I still think you can mind the two boys within the system. But mm. if you're trying to play that high press on the kickout game, and then you want them to run 80 yards back following the ball and then 80 yards forward, I think it's probably too much. But, but uh, And that's why in terms of, uh, and we said this when we're talking about the National League, Dublin and Kerry are looking, they're not worried about winning the National League. They're, that's not over. They're, they're looking for a couple of players to put their hand up that they can use in the summer. But also Peter Keane, it was glaringly obvious. It, it, that's what he's taken from that game. When we're passive and we're letting Dublin have the ball and we don't have high energy and we're not in their face, like Dublin blew them away. And that was Dublin in third gear as well. All of a sudden, so Peter Keane's we can't do that if we come across these guys in the chapter. That will not work. And, and all of a sudden we make the change in the third quarter and we've energy and just hunger and guys hunting down fellas. That's hard to do. That is very, very hard to do aerobically, athletically. You need to have the guys that are able to do that. But that is what worked and that's what got Kerry back into the game and nearly won them the game. That's a huge lesson Peter Keane would have learned um, from Sunday. And I, that they're going to carry that into the summer without a doubt. Could there be issues with... On, on the flip side of that, sorry now, just on the okay. flip side of that, Dublin went a bit off their, off their path. We, we, mentioned yeah. Desi, we mentioned Desi a couple of weeks ago. Is he going to be missed? In them 10 minutes, he was missed, okay? He, he mm. absolutely was. Like, you see Conor Callan, and I think I said this to you, Paddy, you see him turning around, eating the head of somebody. I, I, it could have been Davey Byrne. Jeez, think it was Davey, Davey. Three weeks in a row, Davey Byrne has got a miss. Hey, he's not going to talk to me again. But yeah, but like, he, he, he kicks the ball away, and Conor turns around, and he eats them, because he's thinking, why isn't that ball going to Scully? So that Scully can feed uh, I, I have to say that uh, on the flip side, Dublin were sloppy. And after praising them to the hilt yeah. the week before against Ross Common, in terms, I mean, they, they, I think they had seven wides in the first half, they had three balls dropped short. And in the second half, particularly I'd look at the last play, after Clifford scores the penalty, Dublin still get a play. And I'm thinking, they're going to work a score here. Or at least the shot. A they're going yeah, 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 yeah. to get it to Khan. Kieran Kilkenny that was taken off for five minutes to go, which is kind of surprising looking down. He's the type of guy you want in managing that game. But but even still, you're like, Dublin going to work a shot. And they, they were sloppy. I think Brian Howard had passed it away to, to Fenton, who might have been fouled, but the ball has fumbled. And it's just, it was just a little bit of sloppiness. And to be fair, you might, and Kerry were definitely in the first half, you know, they four or five wides themselves. And it was a very uncharacteristic for both sets of players. And then you kind of think, well, maybe it is actually just their second game of the year. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so as good as they were the week before, you'll probably get little inconsistencies as, as players find their feet. But but overall with Dublin, like for the 20 minutes or so they played in that second quarter, I mean, that was a warning to Kerry and a warning to, to other teams that when Dublin are, are in the mood at that stage, they can they can kill anyone. But overall, I, I think they will be disappointed definitely with their, their efficiency and just a little bit of sloppiness on the ball, particularly in those, like I say, turning the ball over, coming out of defence. You know, Sean McMahon, Michael Fitzsimons, Fento kicking the ball away. You don't see that. But that was because of the pressure Kerry were putting on. Like I say, if you give them time and space, forget about it. So, so Kerry were, you're saying Kerry were forcing that pressure in the first half? Or in, in the second no, half? No, they not weren't. The first half. They weren't. So, not, the not early the wides, half, they weren't. so the early wides were just bad decisions? Early wides were actually just like Paddy Small had two short and you're kind of thinking Lehiff Paddy with the outside the right Lehiff with yeah. the outside of the right there's Never no need, need it was a weird that. game I, it was a weird game like. yeah, but, yeah. But, but to be honest Tommy I, I don't even think that was pressure I just think that was or, okay. or I don't think it was bad decision making with a lot of those shots and O'Kiran miss one Fanto miss one they're actually they're the right decisions it was just probably poor execution That that's what it was it was kind of thinking, geez Lehiff's one at the outside of his boot you know you never 
that's a very difficult st- skill to get, particularly for a big yeah. midfielder <laughs> to try and do. So um, you could do it. it. Oh, I don't know. I'd still be risky enough trying some of them. Why would you lean? Would you be leaning on the instep when you were in a tighter angle? Uh, but look, it, it dep- like I always said, it depends where you are on the pitch. If you if you practice it and you can nail it, go for it. I don't know if Tom Hill was. Always, I haven't seen him <laughs> kick many outside the right. So I'd say he was under pressure when they're looking back. But but like I say for Kieran's ones or Paddy Small's ones, they're probably the right decisions. Was poor execution, okay. and, and, and both sides were probably a little bit guilty of that. But, but particularly on the turnovers that Kerry got in the second half, that was just pressure. That was them in Dublin's face. Sean O'Shea was was all over fellas, to be fair to him. Um, and it's a template for Kerry. That's that's the way forward for them to try and be successful. Is it fair to say it was much closer to Kerry's 15 than Dublin's 15 at the weekend as well? Dublin's real starting 15. Um, you're probably looking at, obviously, Cluxton, if he comes back you would have to say would be in there. Dean Rock is still missing, but Cormac Oslo, to be fair to him, he actually wasn't great on the freeze. He missed two of his freeze, but he did score one three from play. So he's got to be in the mix. It's the same. We said you it. You reckon it's pretty close, first. yeah? I, I don't think it's, there's, there, I think there'll definitely be two or three changes, but, but the majority of guys were still there. We said at the start, Dublin are looking for someone to play with Fenton in yeah. the middle of the pitch. Lehif is kind of, he's got a couple of games. He's solid, but... I'd still say that's a position that's up for grabs. Sean McMahon, who we said, Dublin are looking for a back. They're looking for someone to go in there. Did really well. The Killian Spillane was taken off at halftime. And we were, Killian Spillane is a really good player. Had a great game against Galway the week before. Sean McMahon was quite impressive. Um, but then you're looking, Dublin brought on Johnny Cooper, Brian Howard with two or three minutes to go. You have to think if those guys are moving well, they're going to be in that starting team. Um, how, how worried would Dublin be seeing John Small helped off the pitch? That's it looks bad because he he was going full tilt. He's, he's had trouble with hamstrings in the past. He is a key key player for the and we're going to talk about this when we start talking about the the difference up, up north and with defensive systems and things like that. John Small is a man marker for Dublin, and, and, and like defensive systems and, and teams have gone away from this idea of having a guy. If we're playing Kerry, John Small is marking Sean O'Shea. And he is giving him absolute hell. And he was on Sunday from the first whistle. If Dublin played Tyrone, John Small is marking Peter Hart and he's taken him out of the game. He's a really, really key role in the Dublin team. And it's a hard thing to do. And lots of teams have gone away from this. And and when we talk about the Northern defensive systems and all of a sudden there's goals galore up in the Ulster Division of the League. Donegal Mm. are conceding four goals. They could have conceded eight against Monaghan. And the reason that's happening is because as these defensive systems move away from the comfort blanket of having 10 or 12 guys back in their own half, defenders got complacent. They didn't have to mark anyone. Like if you were playing on the full back line, you didn't have to get touched tight. You didn't have to dog a fella because you three your mates standing 10 yards away from you. And we'll pass him on to someone else. And the art of actual man marking and defending the guys, the great, like Anthony Lynch with Cork when he used to man mark the Gooch or Conor Gormley with Tyrone. Or Mick Fitzsimons, who are still doing with Dublin. These these guys, where they actually take pleasure in taking a forward out of the game. Lots of defenses have got, defenders got away from that because they were protected by a defensive system. And you've seen Duddy Gall on their side. The fact that they're now being asked to man mark guys one on one, like they could have conceded eight goals against Monaghan. They're not used to it, and that's the, the role John Small plays with Dublin. He is going. Who is the key link player for the opposition? And he's taking them out of the game. And if he's not there, and to be fair, it looked like a bad, and we don't know, he's mm. gone full tilt, and, and, and he, it's a bad hamstring, but it looks at things, he would be a big loss for Dublin because 
he's the the man marker in that kind of half back line for them. What's uh what's it like having a bird's eye view of John Smalls marking Andy when you're in the full forward line and he's in the half back line? Oh yeah, as an opposition player, as an opposition team, we'd have always identified Small as a key player for Dublin. I think he won his first All Star or something last yeah, year. Last year, yeah. was only like, his first one. Like because, even Andy, hey, the some... reason being is because he doesn't do the flashy stuff. Yeah, it did, like, it... like like you know, Paddy Durkin is brilliant from the half back line. He goes up and kicks three or four points from play, and he got three at the weekend. And you're looking going, that's easy to identify that that brilliant play. Yeah. Whereas John Small is not. He's not interested in going with the pitch and kicking scores. He's given a job, and it's like you're a defender. Defend. I love when he Take comes up. Out of the I game. love when he comes up, Paddy, and he might kick a bad one off the outside of his right or so on. Do you know? And if it's anyone else, the Dublin boys, all the boys are looking at him. John Small doesn't know says a word. No one knows him out to him. He just runs yeah. back. But I ah, know he's an incredible player. Um, someone I always thought it about. To be honest with you, it was it was one of those guys you came in first and you thought, is he the weak link? And all of a sudden, over the course of the the years, like you're just thinking, oh, right, okay, we see what this boy is doing. And you know, Philly, Philly gave Dublin something different. Philly McMahon, he, he had that bit yeah. of uh, Joe Dirt to him, if you want to call yeah. it, like what Lee but does. That, for that's us. what defenders uh, need. Like. And that's what, and like all defenses need that. Every kind of defensive side needs that, and Small just does it. So, can Philly still do that? I doubt it, um, if I'm being honest. Uh, but I, I, I'll tell you, Small can do it, and he can do it in spades. And I, I think he's a huge loss. To have they, but, have but, they someone to replace him? Have they someone to replace him? We'll it's, move on it's, quickly. It's, uh, it's very difficult to try and get someone to replace him because of the experience he has and like he's been there for three or four years and he's in top form. Dublin will always have depth, but whether they can do if they're playing a throne or if they're playing, say they were playing Donegal, Small could easily go Michael Murphy and, and, and just that's mm. your job, just just yeah. leaving him. But but on it, aside from John Small, I mean, Mike get on to it. Oh, the, that defensive style of play and the defensive systems mm. and, and how teams are moving away from that lots and lots of defenders are now being found out because they're being asked to defend. Man mark someone. And I know we, we'll talk about it when we get through it, but... Let's get into the that. Art, the art of actual defending. I'll give you... Like I said, Donegal, right? Donegal under Jim McGuinness would never have conceded four goals in a game. They would... And, and Monaghan easily could have scored at least another two or three. But you're looking and going, well, well what's changed? Well, Jim McGuinness's style of play wouldn't win the All-Ireland now. So as good as they were defensively, you can't play like that anymore. Dublin have done that. They've brought the game on over the last four or five years that teams looked at it and said, okay, you'll get to a point of success by playing this defensive system, playing this blankets, blanket defence like Tyrone did with Mickey or, or Jim McGuinness, obviously, with Donegal. But Dublin basically kind of broke that down. And that's why anyone who's had reasonable success over the last six or seven years against Dublin, they attacked. That's why Mayo were always Dublin's, Dublin's toughest game, carrying the 16 semi-final or the, or the, or the 19 All-Ireland final. All of a sudden, they were playing man-on-man defence because the only way to beat Dublin was to outscore them. So teams are slowly starting to change their style of play now, and that's what Declan Bonner is trying to do with Donegal. You can see it. Like Tyrone, we spoke about this with, with, with Logan and Dewar coming in. They're playing a way more expansive style of play. They scored 215 against Armagh. They could have had another three goals themselves. Mm. Armagh have come up. They're playing this attacking style of play. But what that's doing, it's taking the comfort blanket away from these defenders. Whereas if uh, you're playing cornerback three or four years ago, you don't have to be touched tight to your corner forward because there's 13 of your players inside your 45. There's nowhere for them to run to. And defenders just got complacent. The art of standing a man up, near hand tackles, 
being an absolute pain, like, like a John Small or a Lee Keegan, I am going to ruin your day. That mentality for defenders was gone because they had all their mates beside them. And if you look at, say, Donegal is the obvious example from the weekend. Now, all of a sudden, Ombon Gallagher, who's brilliant at going forward and looks really flash. But if you're playing cornerback, you're being asked to mark someone now. You're being asked to win balls coming in one-on-one. We spoke about Neil McGee. Like, Conor McCarthy's two goals. The first two goals, he did the exact same thing. He runs out to the sideline, and his man is standing behind him here, and he doubles back, makes a cutback towards Similar to what Con did against what Con does. Exactly yeah. what, Con what Con O'Callan did at the Tottenham Morley at the weekend. And it was like, lads. And against Lee Keegan in the All Ireland final. Semi final two years ago. Like, yeah. Lads, this is not new. Like, this is your but defenders. They didn't need to be that sharp because they know the two other mates behind them. Whereas Conor McCarthy comes out, does the exact same thing twice, doubles back, and his man is still running out this way towards the goal. Like, and, and that's just your agility, your preparation, your understanding. I'm I'm getting the better of this guy today. Whereas defenders haven't had to do that. And he goes and he scores, he scores a hat trick. Do you know what but I mean? You, and that's, you, can, you can imagine Paddy, Neil McGee and Paddy McGrath. I, I, the, I, I don't need to imagine them. Yeah, I know them. <laughs> entering the later stages of the career. And now yeah. they're all of a sudden, instead of having this kind of two, three, four men yeah. planned in front of you, all of a sudden you have acres. Now, if you look at Monaghan the last day, lads, the 10 goal chances in total. In the last few minutes of the game, Niall Cairns hit the crossbar with the chip. Tried the he, lob, yeah. He just missed another one, which he should have caught. He's straight through on goal. So what's happening is teams now are, are they're trying to press the kick out. So they're trying to press everything up mm. and then they're getting caught between the 245s. So they're literally defending the 245s. And all of a sudden, Carol O'Connell breaks one tackle and he's going in and laying Conor McCarthy in. Even 60 yard run. For Langham's goal for, yeah. for Dudigal, they got yeah. Monaghan. And Monaghan were the same. They would have had this defensive system, Vinnie yeah. Curry and these guys, Desi Moan. Langham runs straight through the middle of the pitch. It was like watching a failure match. Yeah. But, but that's, and we're challenging this. Like we spoke with this. You need to be on the front foot to win all Ireland's and because teams can see that defensive style, it's, it's only going to get you so far. So to a credit to the coaches and the players, they're playing this attacking style because they know if you want to win the all Ireland, that's what you're going to need to do. But on the flip side, you have, they're leaving defenders man to man. And the idea, the beauty of defending has just been gone for the last five or six years. Defenders didn't need to be good. And, and, and the plus side, I would say, and why Dublin were successful and why Mayo were successful to, to a point and get to our finals. If you're a back on the Dublin team, you are told you have your job is to mark him. So Mike of Simons goes out and he's playing Kerry, you're marking David Clifford. Don't come in here at half time and turn around to Jim Gavin or turn around to Brian Fenton and James McCartan and go, ah, lads, can you come back and give us a sweeper? Or, or can you just drop back and, and, and sit in front of me there? Or like the say Mark O'Shea when he used to play with Kerry. Mark O'Shea used to, no matter who Kerry were playing, he was marking the opponent's best forward. If they're playing Tyrone, he was marking Peter Canavan. If they're playing Armagh, he's marking Stephen McDonald. And Mark O'Shea is not turning around to Jack O'Connor or Pat O'Shea going, oh lads, I, I don't think I can really deal with him on my own. Can we drop back half forwards? He, that was his role. You, you win your individual battle. And that's, if you're a defender on the Dublin team, that's what you're expected to do. If you get a sweeper or someone drops back, that's a bonus. But you you go out and mark whoever you're marking and don't be looking around for someone else to help you. And I think win, the your, biggest, the win biggest, your individual battle. The biggest problem Donegal are going to face, Paddy, is that Jim brought it in, Jim McGuinness. Now, Jim McGuinness yeah. is a smart man. It wasn't yeah. just all-out attack. He didn't t- or an all-out defend. He didn't tackle strategy with it. 
and mm. it worked. But then that, all took, the, that took two years, though, Andy. And it took two years. Mm. And all the club teams, the problem Donegal have now is all the club teams follow them. So they're, <laughs> used, they're used to now having a defensive structure in front of them. So Declan Bonner is absolutely right. Me or Paddy are not saying here that he's, he's wrong for doing it. But there needs to be, it, it might take them a while to get that balance right. And I have made the argument that between two and six, I do think they're weak. Mm-hmm. But they're weak because they're isolated as well, not because they're really bad players. But, but, but Andy, no, it's, that, it's, that's it's what isolated. those defenders are going to have to do. They have to they're, get they're, they're, if they're going to beat Dublin, they're going to have to try and outscore them, which means Neil McGee may find himself in Crow Park one-on-one with Carlo Callahan. Yeah. And, and yeah. if you're going to win the All-Ireland, you've got to be able to deal with that. And, and that's that's going to be the challenge for these teams. Yep. And it's a challenge for Kerry, looking at the weekend, when they were isolated. The same questions we've had about Kerry is their full back line. Like Brian O'Buglock, these guys, they when they were one-on-one, they were struggling. So Peter Keane has that dilemma. Do I bring guys back and try and protect them? I, I don't think they can. The defenders just need to get better at dealing with one-on-one situations. Andy, can Donegal do anything different between two and six? I, I think it, it, it's similar to what Peter Keane tried to do last last week or last year. He tried to put O'Boigley on the half forward line to give them more legs and, and help out so if someone goes strong on Clifford that he can go and track them and he can go into midfield and maybe you know, drop someone back. Mm. So drop maybe Jeremy O'Connor back to six so Paul Murphy can sit in in front of the full back line. So you can do little things like that. The problem Donegal have is their best players are Thompson, McNeilish, Langan, yeah. <laughs> O'Donnell, Morgan, who all love to go forward, and this like the natural tendency. So Paddy would say there the one on one, but like he had Keno Sullivan, who was just a hyper intelligent mm. footballer, who would just yeah. say he would spot that he's in space. If he's in space in the centre half back position, there's no way he's driving out to the 65 to mark the centre forward. Yeah. He's dropping back in front of Johnny Cooper and Mick Fitzsimon. So if I win the ball and I run up the line, I come back on my right foot, he's there yeah. to block me. But, but Andy, that's a, that's a bonus. That's yeah. a bonus if he's there. Exactly, because yeah. the teams started realising that and like we were playing Kerry and all of a sudden Gooch be sent to forward and Keno yeah. Sullivan's going, but he's a can't leave Gooch, yeah. I have to mark him. Yeah. And that's it. If you're in the full back line, if you have a sweeper, that's a bonus. But yeah. the bottom line is you've got to, you've got to be able to deal with your individual. That, and that's what Dublin, and to be fair, when, when we played Mayo, the Mayo backs, it was, if I was Mark Keith Higgins, it was Mark Keith Higgins. And yeah. if someone else can give them a dig out, but I had to try and get the better of him or, or Brendan Harrison or these guys. And, and that's that's what Kerry need to do. And that's when the second half, their matchups were a little bit better. Ty Morley mm. was kind of switched off a couple of times and Dublin were rotating. And look, Dublin were t- it got to the stage where Kilkenny was going inside and they were targeting Brian O'Buglock, they could see, okay, and that the really smart teams, they look for the weak links. Yeah, you're and looking try for try and get their best forwards on those guys, even for five minutes. Like, and that's Conor Callahan moves in for his third goal, and all of a sudden he's man on man and square with Paul Murphy. Yeah. And I go, how did that happen? Murphy was meant to be marking Scully, but Dublin rotated and they just realized, bang, there, yeah. they've switched off here. You're, you're looking for mismatches all the time, but go all back the to the goal thing. What could you do? you might have to sacrifice one, maybe two of them guys. Yeah. You actually might have to. You can't just play eight forwards, ten forwards, and expect everyone just to be defending. Now, they did miss Murphy, but last year against Tyrone in that championship match, I'll never forget it. Mark Bradley, I mentioned it before, one-on-one yeah. with Murphy on them night. Has to be, or on the 21, take him on, you score your goal. So I think there is little changes you can make, but McNeilish, Langan, Thompson, O'Donnell, or Morgan, or some of them guys might actually find themselves on the bench. Now, McFadden Furry mm. is back for them. It was a huge plus. 
McMenamin was back for them, which yeah. is a huge plus. McMenamin was that type of defender. He's yeah. like, yeah. he's going to mark someone and he's going to try yeah. and make it hell for them. He, you need he, more of those guys. He, he's from the Evan McGee School of uh, School of. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm glad no, I never like, came across. Yeah. Him, yeah. So, so them guys are them guys are back. So they do have a chance. But there was one stage in the game where Hugh McFadden is actually pushing Rory Beggett. like Hugh McFadden, who's been their linchpin sweeper from midfield for the last five yeah. years. And he's, he's the furthest man up the pitch, pushing Rory Beggin. And I was like, oh no, what, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, get back, will you? you know? But yeah. the, the, I, that's, that's the way they're playing. I thought injury time was incredible when, I think it was a draw game, I think Roberto just levelled it. And you had Patton and Beggin, both yeah, in between yeah, the 265. The they were both to trying to attack. It's incredible. Like it's, what, what I love about the North, Tommy, what I love about the North is they're always trying to bring something new. So if you look yeah. at the start of the innovation. Moment, you have Armagh, Tyrone, bringing something new. Armagh with their big physical size, their preparation. Tyrone with their brilliant forwards, but really driving on with their intensity. Hart looking psychologically, mentally, how you get a better, mm. how do you get the edge? McGuinness at the start of the last decade, mm. bringing something new to the table. And I firmly believe Cluxton reinvented goalkeeping for me. But I think there's a new invention coming. And I, 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 I've actually, it's a, it's a thing for myself that I've been looking at for ages. But I think this, why a goalie standing in goals in 2021 is beyond mm. me. You know, you can create a 2v1 from everywhere. And what's lovely about it is the game is level. It's level. And begging is going. He's not worrying about it. win the game. He's going, go. he's that going that conservatism the that was there seems to be, and you look, and the beginning he's doing with Antrim. And yeah. Antrim, Antrim are playing this attack of football. And you know what? The flip side of all of that. One, like... Derry, Derry scored 5 19 against mm. Fermanagh. Mm-hmm. Like, Derry, yeah. who had been. We're sleeping on Derry. We're sleeping on Derry. Poor, 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 poor old Joe Body was having a heart attack watching Derry be so, so defensive. Rory Gallagher's gone in 5 19. So everyone in the Ulster Championship seems to be going, we're going attacking. This is the way forward. Bar down. And down play Mead. And it's like I watching it. something prehistoric. There's something going wrong 13 men behind like, the ball. It was brutal. And you tell you in these guys, and you yeah. can already hear the ex down players. You know, legends, Ross Kerr and these guys are not happy to watch it. Players hate playing that way. Media, supporters hate watching it because it's just, whatever it brought a little bit of success 10 years ago, that style of play is now, it's it's out of date. And down, you can actually see them, like the game against me, they're being left behind by playing that style of play. And I'd say if you spoke to their players, I wouldn't say they're overly enthusiastic of playing that style of play either. You said something there, Andy, about as a coach, you're looking at the goalkeeping innovations. Like when me and Paddy go down to Balladrine's championship match later this year, are we going to see the, the ballet keeper? Are you going to be fly keeper, Andy? Uh, I played fly, fly, fly keeper <laughs> yeah. sevens the last ten I'm telling you, no, no, I'd left one in over <laughs> my head. So that day is gone. But the, I, 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 I like, not more did it in our championship last year with a guy called Colin Reap who played centre forward for the under 21s a couple of years ago. Excellent keeper boom and kick out but he was literally he was out on the 45 for the opposition kick out you know big tall man well able but it's something that's always bemused me because Mm. there's no difference between a goalkeeper and an outfielder it's Mm. not soccer where you can't handle the ball outside your box you know you can actually solo the ball the whole way up the pitch like Morgan's obviously done it with with Tyrone Beggin's been doing it Uh, Brody and go for Leach did it a couple we played Leach yeah um, a Leinster final, I think it was 2018, and that was his first year doing it. I remember we were preparing for the game. We're like, oh, where is this header off? To? <laughs> it's just see the goalkeepers put it out, and he's on the opponent 65. But but if it's done well, and, and the goalkeeper has the, the capabilities to do it, 
why not? It, like it is an additional power there, and like you can see it, it's becoming more and more prevalent. Um, and it was like it was just funny to see that the game was on the line. On two the teams, line. Ulster, Ulster, and you're thinking traditionally this is like just slow everything down, try and kill the game, and there's the two goalkeepers nearly marking each other. But, a, key, but, a, but, a, key, but a keynote on it, Paddy. We we played Monaghan and Moat a couple of years ago in a challenge match. Mm. I'll never forget it. Getting out of the car, I was about 34, and my back was stuck together. I could barely move. <laughs> and, anyway, team, and I got roasted in the game, but the one fascinating thing... By the goalkeeper, by Beckett. He, he was the best player on the field. He was the best player Jesus. on the field. He was out, similar to what he was doing the last day. If they were out one side, he was the other 45. He was spraying kicks. He destroyed us, right? They've got Gary Rogers in from Dundalk, who's their goalkeeper. Yeah, goalkeeper. yeah. You know, and soccer's gone really... Like, soccer went from being a commanding goalie, catch, throw, everything. To if you couldn't direct you your area and you couldn't play yeah. your area, you weren't playing. So are you telling me that Rogers is telling him to stay in, or are you telling him to go out? You know, mm. and it's and Patton's obviously from a soccer background as well. Soccer yeah. background. Morgan plays centre forward for his club, or plays a sweeper for his club, plays <laughs> for soccer as well. Joe, yeah. all these guys are bringing something new, and I I think yeah. it's a really exciting um, it's a really Developed. exciting development yeah. in in the game because the key is is to create if you if a team is going to press you, which they are now going to do from the kickouts. You need to start creating two v ones all over the place. An extra player, yeah. and all of a sudden these keepers are doing. Paddy, can you tell us where our man are at? Um, well, they're probably the, maybe the poster boys for, for that style of play. Like I say, I was touched on it briefly last week. I'd watched them in their win over Monaghan, obviously, and I wouldn't have come across them much with, with Dublin that, that they hadn't been in Division One. So it was really interesting to see what what their their style of play was, and it was just it was a breath of fresh air to see the ball is thrown in. And Armagh just fly forward from everywhere. Fork are coming back from the backs. They obviously have the O'Neill brothers. Really, really impressive players. And they had a really, really good win against Monaghan the first day. And it was just their energy. You know, I think it's 73rd minute in that game. And they're still all out attack. It was, And it's, again, you're thinking traditionally the Ulster Championship and, and Armagh, like their most successful teams, had that real defensive solidity. Whereas their style of play with, with McGeaney, they're unbelievably fit, which you'd expect. They're unbelievably well drilled, and particularly with with Donny has come in, they know what they're doing. Their players know what they're doing. They have that rotation down. They're swapping positions. Reen O'Neill is really important with Stephen Campbell inside and Rory Grugan. Really talented players, and the progression they've made. Like I say, they're now in Division One, but it will take them as much as the energy they bring to the game. I, I still think there's probably a little lack of that kind of nous, and also I have to say. A little bit of quality, and in terms, of they they are game, they are fit, they work hard, they had a win against Monaghan, and then you seen against Tyrone at the weekend, like Tyrone cut them open, like Tyrone had two goals, and they easily could have had a couple more yeah, themselves. Yeah. For as much as their energy was, it's that kind of that know how and that experience, um, that, that I felt. I, I think they could struggle with that. I think our man, the Ulster Championship, could take out a big team. I think they could beat Monaghan. They, they could easily do that. But in terms of where they're at in their stage of their journey, like I said, they're just new into Division 1. For them to go and win the Ulster Championship and win two or three games, I think that would be a big ask for them at that at this stage. But their style of play and their energy, like they are literally poster boys for this all-out yeah. attack run from everywhere. And it's great to watch, but I, I think that experience and a little bit of, of technical quality, I, I think they're probably lacking just a little bit. I think what Tommy, you said yeah. last week they're everyone's second favorite team. They're mine. I think, anyway. I think they have mm. that lovely innocence about them, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think McGinney's building something lovely there. Yeah, um, yeah. But he has to. I know he's been there a while, but I think the team that he wants is 
it's coming, you know. And uh, Joe, the, the worry for them is Armagh 17, 18 shots in the second half, or Tyrone have 17, 18 shots in the second half. Mm. The score nine of them, every score that they get is either from Armagh kick out, Tyrone kick out, sideline ball, turnover. Mm, yeah. It's nothing that it's, 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 they're struggling. To, and Paddy will tell you that takes years. Yeah. To, well, to what, it's that, what I'm it's hearing from you, lads, these teams are year one of, year one, one, two, maybe of this style. And they're doing it within yeah. 2020, 2021, a year when we've been so broken up by COVID and the pandemic. We can hardly train. Like, yeah, you can hardly is, train. So like, what I'm hearing yeah. is that these teams are trying to develop a way of playing up in Ulster, but they may not be there yet. It's going to be exciting. Mm. It's kamikaze. It's all out attack. And that's, that's yeah, that's like, I'm mad. That's, it, it's great to watch, but, and I know McGinney has been there a long time, but you can see his his fingerprints on the team. And and what I would say from looking at, they know what they want to do. They, they have a very definitive style mm. of play, but it's it's that. It looks like they're totally in chaos all the time. And chaos is great going forward, but if they lose the ball, as Andy said, like, you know, talk about it over, it's like, talk about a playmaker. Experience. That Rian O'Neill pass. Oh, beautiful. oh, it's beautiful. Loved it. Yeah. Just love Loved to see it. it. It's, it's it's lovely and they two or three of them that since and they're not afraid to go for them do you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying they're not afraid to put it in there was two or three of them where they nearly got it but the pass the finish for Turbo was lovely but yeah. just when, when we're on them lads Tyrone, we have to mention Tyrone I think Tyrone are further ahead than the other two teams okay um, I, or the other three teams Donegal. they're ahead of Donegal <laughs> I would say so. Uh, in my I still, opinion. I still have Donegal as <laughs> yeah. I still have Donegal for Ulster, but yeah, Tyrone will be down sure last year. Well. Yeah. But but I just think they're. I I genuinely. You're not even mentioning Cavanaughs. Go on. No, I I think they're. I I genuinely seen something in them the last day. I thought they were brilliant. I I genuinely did. Yes, they made mistakes, and they did mad stuff. But in terms of hungry for the kickout, seeing a guy back from Australia, McKenna. Right, who came back from a sport that it seems that he didn't particularly like, but mm. like the point, like the ink, like the, the enthusiasm he had for them scoring, the love he had for the jersey. Mm. It was nearly like watching the old days. See Mark Bradley coming in, hey, seen young Canavan playing football. Yes, oh, we called it. That man should be playing. He, he, he should, should be playing but, but, but Paddy, his center of gravity, his movement, his he's just he's a pass. smart player. He's, he's a smart player. player. He's, but, he's but like Pascal Canavan more so than yeah. Peter Canavan. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think age, he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be a, a one six from play type player. I think he'll chip in with scores. But he's Brilliant. what you can see from Tyrone, and I mean, kind of you could see glimpses of it, and that's all we were asking for, for, from the new. What are they doing differently? What are they going to try and change? Forget. They are moving the ball a hell of a lot with there's there's a when they get the ball, their half back line, full back line, midfield, it's it's not a hand pass five yards around to the side or or Maddie Donnelly kind of saying, no, let's slow everything down. It's, they're looking to kick the ball. They're looking to move the ball quickly. And and that just seems to be the thing across the board. Like you can yeah. see it in the scores that are being put up. Teams are missing lots of chances because they're probably still a bit rusty from the first couple of league games. But the switch in mindset from all the teams, not just in Ulster, but I think across the board, that we need to move the ball quickly. Let's get it up the pitch. Um, Tyrone, you can definitely see that, that that's in their armory. And if they play those forwards, uh, Donaghy again, what did he score at the weekend? What a lovely couple of scores. and yeah. goal that's allowed. But this, we're playing forwards in forward positions. Yeah. We're, not looking football. To play, we're not looking to play a half forward line of, of three guys who want to sprint back and sit on our D. We're looking at guys that can kick the ball, that can take yeah. guys on, that can score. And that's why Canavan was great to see him. Uh, Bradley as well. Um, Darren McCurry. Oh, it's 
So he's playing. Uh, hey, we yeah, go back to his it. point. Don't Finish waste his last. point. Don't waste his point. Oh, sorry, Don't waste We are getting that. He's an out. He's an out and out forward. Yes, he's an out and out forward, and he was possibly marginalised to a point under Mickey Hart because. You should just go there. backwards, Paddy. Yeah, just, just run him back. Forward. And he can't do that. And, and to be fair, what we touched on earlier, like Paul Ganey playing at wing four for Kerry, that's what he's kind of being asked to do. Ganey's a scorer. Let the guy score. You know, <laughs> you're not, the guy's struggling for form and then you put him out at wing forward. Like, if I'm... Like, you could see it in guys, Yeah, ah, oh, Jesus. Run him backwards. Like, the last thing he wants to be doing. But, but Tyrone, by playing those guys, they have those forwards. And that's what... People were asking Mickey Hart, go, you have these guys, let them off the leash. You can start seeing already after just two yeah. games, Tyrone are that there's there are changes to how they're approaching it. But why I like them and why I think you right, there's one particular instance, and it's Peter Hart. He blocks Reno O'Neill on the far side under the stand. He does the diving block catches him. And in that period of play, he gets up, drives forward, and wins. I think it's the third last, it's the third last score from Tyrone. He wins the free up in yeah. the far corner. So from blocking a ball, mm. thing, lads, I'm telling you, I'd like from playing them and being ancient, playing, being too old to play football, right, in 2019, that energy level wasn't there. I, I'm, I'm telling you that now. Because you could see his staleness. Like. Yeah, you, you could. And like, mm. he blocks that ball. He gets up on his mm. bike and all of a sudden he's winning a free up in the top corner. And to me, he symbolised nearly everything that was good about Tyrone the last day. He he worked hard. He scored a brilliant goal. He was winning breaks. He was playmaking. He was blocking. He was tackling. Yeah. He was doing everything. And he, he's a serious footballer. So a rejuvenated Tyrone is what we're seeing. Well, well, I just think if you have a new coach coming in, mm. that bounce should be there anyway. You're thinking, and particularly with, with Tyrone, where they've had the same coach for so so long, the new voice comes in. Like Dewhurst, a legend up there. I used to. I remember if. We had a couple of changes in club managers and stuff like that. I remember Justin McNulty came down and coached us with Bridget's for a year. I was only a young fan. And I was like, this guy's a legend from, from Armagh, that brilliant Armagh team that I would have watched when I was a kid. I just wanted to impress him. I wanted him, wanted him to think I was a good player. So you're going out and, and you can you get that sense with Tyrone. There's a there's a bubbliness to them. There's an energy to them. Um, and, and particularly when you, you put that in with the style of play that they're now trying to play, mm. you know, let's move the ball, let's kick the ball, let's try and attack... There is an energy there, but but I still I would still have Donegal as favourite. Although Murphy's Jesus, if Murphy's gone after five minutes, looks like a hamstring. He could be a look. He could be a huge loss. So true. That's, yeah, so true. They're, they're hoping it's only a couple of weeks. So you're listening to the football pod with Paddy Andrews and Andy Moran. Um, we're definitely running over, lads. I hope you're doing okay on time. If you're not, just give me a shout. And I'll, edit it, <laughs> I'll edit it out if you have to leave. That's just give me yeah. give me a heads up. Um, so we're seeing this progress in football and exciting football in Division 1. Are we seeing it in Division 2, Andy? I was at the Westmead Mio game the last day. Um, good win for Mio, two from two. Um, I will say Westmead were exceptionally well coached, like brilliantly coached. Um, I think Jack Cooney actually does the coaching further than the manager. I think he's the coach as well. Uh, really well drilled side. Like you have one side here that's playing against a side that's you can see is superior to them, but they put themselves in a position where they have a chance of winning the game right up to the last few minutes. And it was really interesting to watch. The only concern I have for Mayo, uh, I still think Mayo are a right challenger. I uh, still think they should be favoured in Connacht. Um, but I would be concerned with the pace of the game in Division 2. And in my absolute ignorance, and I will be ignorant, I was fortunate enough, I suppose, all my playing days to play in Division 1. 
when I retired last year and I was going to games, they were all in Division 1. So I don't know when, actually, the last time I was at a Division 2 game. You're very elitist, Andy. You always, I, I, I always am, said that. I, I am, I yeah, am. Not yeah. like us, though. <laughs> but they, they, there is a difference, lads. There absolutely is a yeah. difference. Um, and it was clear to see. And the trouble James Horn is going to have, and as, as a coach, uh, Kieran McDonald and James Burke, the trouble they're going to have is to make sure Mayo are at the pace when it comes down to it in the championship. That is going to be the trouble they're going to have. But there is, lads, there is a significant difference. But, but, but you know what? It's no secret, games. Andy, you look at that division, made a Mayo relegated last year from Division 1, and, and you can see that they probably are a step above the other teams. Mm. Um, and it's just that experience. And like we spoke about Ross Common last week, they go down to Division 2 and they're a bit, like, they must have about three or four Division 2 titles in the last 10 years. But it's because they've been relegated from Division 1. Mm. And when they go down, they've had that experience of playing in Division 1 where everything is faster, everything, your touch needs to be spot on. You don't get that time on the ball and you go down to Division 2 and you have that little bit of more space and those are the teams that, that invariably come straight back up and you can see it. Mead, although they lost all their games in Division 1 last year, and had a tough year in, in Division One. They've, they, you can see they've learned from that experience. And Andy McIntyre, as much as McGinley with our man, you can see me there are building and building, and they're, they're trying to play this exciting style of play and scoring goals. Keenan O'Sullivan, Jordan Mar- Morris is a really, really talented player. And, and, and that stint in Division One, despite the fact on paper you go, Jesus, they, they lost every game. That, that's not a good. That's not a good experience for them. You can see they've taken lessons from that and, and are playing that to Division Two already. Well, I think we all know that Mead had a lost decade. And as a Mead man, getting to Division 1 was so incredibly important. They fell short in Division 2 a couple of times um, yeah. at the last hurdle. And just actually getting to Division 1. They played more Division 1 teams in the last 12 months, I'd say, than they had done in the previous 10 years. Because they'd lose to Dublin and then they get knocked out in the qualifiers early on. Or I think they got knocked out in, in 18 and 19 earlier than they'd ever had been. So actually yeah. just getting to experience that pace of football is massive for teams. He it's actually, huge. He actually had a very good league last year. I know he lost, but like there was no yeah. significant hammer until yeah. he met Dublin in the championship. And the thing I would say about uh, Mead was it was their conditioning, really, wasn't it? Like Niall Ronan is mm-hmm. in there doing the strength and conditioning with them now. Nally, Colm Nally's in doing Callum, the co- football yeah. coaching, yeah. He's in doing the, and you can see that all of a sudden now these boys are conditioned and they're ready to actually compete with the, the best team. Well, I'll be honest. I, I had <laughs> in 2019. I was going into that game thinking a little bit naive, okay? I was thinking, me can do something here. They can do something to Dublin. And they kept Dublin to five points at half time, but they didn't, they didn't really score themselves in the first half. And then in 2020, I was talking and off the ball saying that we're after scoring five goals by Kildare. We're going to be able to do something. Um, and Paddy Andrews, like Dublin, just absolutely ripped them apart in the last What I'd say, it, like Dublin cast a shadow over the Leinster Championship over the last decade and it's very difficult for teams to it's hard mentally for players and for supporters to get on side when they know they're coming up against the juggernaut of Dublin and but what I would say with Mead and what they've done really well Mead have still shown huge progress and that's what Andy McAdee has done where mm. they are now the second best team in Leinster whereas five years ago you're, you're saying that Mead have made progress yeah I, I, like, are you are you just saying it because I'm on the call and you're afraid to insult me as a mead man? No, I know a lot of mead people as well. No, I think they have. I I think they have, and, and Andy McAdee's there. I think for about nearly four years now. Like the point, getting made to Division One was brought. They hadn't been there in a long time, and and, and it's hard for 
the tradition in Mead, obviously with Sean Boyle and winning all Ireland and some of these iconic players, there was a huge drop off from that level, and it was always going to take time for me to regenerate their their underage squads, their development squads, and get the senior team back to where they want to be. But it's hard to do that, and for all the Leinster counties, when the kind of behemoth of Dublin is is overlooking that province for, for more than a decade. So, whereas traditionally Mead would have valued success as well, we need to beat Dublin. That that that's the level we need to get to. That's a success or a failure of a season. It's very difficult now to measure that in that regard because Dublin seem to be just so far ahead they're the only Leinster team in Division 1 and um, you can say Dublin have obviously gotten a lot better maybe standards in other counties have dropped a little bit but that's the challenge for, for Andy McAdoo with Mead or, or Dak O'Connor with Kildare or, or Mike Quirk and Leach to get those counties back competing and as Andy was saying Westmead are, are on the right track to push a Mayo all the way but I, I think what Mead have done They've taken over as probably the second best team in Leinster now, whereas for, for years, the early part of the decade, Kieran McGeady had Kildare at, at that level. Kildare were, were all out of quarter-finalists, semi-finalists. They were pushing Dublin anytime they played them. And, and Mead were way behind that. So, so there's definitely progress to where they are now. The next step is, is look, can we can we try and get to Dublin's level? And Mead are not the only team trying to do that. Every team in the country is trying to do that. As somebody yeah. who's gone to Leinster semi-finals and quarter-finals and Leinster finals over the last decade, there is no life in Leinster. It is mm. soulless. It is like being in the stadium, trying to like... The, the, oh, actually, the uh, best no game I've been in Leinster, me. the best game I've been in Leinster was the time when Westmead came back against Mead. And like, I have cousins in Westmead and I was ruined afterwards yeah. for weeks and I have memories about it. But like, it was an amazing game to be at. It was incredible. The atmosphere yeah, yeah. was unbelievable. But Kildare Leash was on beforehand. It was a Leinster semi-final. Or it, well, it wasn't Kildare It was Kildare Dublin, I think. Leinster semi-final. Yeah. No atmosphere. Nothing. And I've been yeah. to Dublin Mead games. Can I ask you a question? It's a bit blunt. Do your Leinster medals mean anything to you? <laughs> um, look, I think at, in the later stage of my, my career, Dublin, uh, for, for me and what Dublin were looking at, we were looking at Al Lawrence. We, we weren't, like whatever, we, we won whatever, seven or eight or nine of them in a row. My first couple, absolutely. I remember we beat Kildare, my, one of my first Leinster titles, 2009. I was playing in full back line that day. It was an amazing match against Kildare. That was kind of peak geezer. And as you said, Pat Gilroy's first year with Dublin was a brilliant Leinster final. 80,000 people at it. We won by two or three points. That was amazing. I, I'd be lying if I said the last two or three Leinsters we won where, where we would have beaten Leash or Westmead. Well, we had moved on. Our, our focus was on, on trying to win all Ireland. And I think that that's natural that as a team kind of develops and goes down that road. But um, but the Leinster Championship for Dublin, it hasn't been overly appealing for our supporters, for the players, because there needs to be that, that, that competition there. And that's why you can see that there are green shoots with what Mead are doing. You can absolutely see that. I, I, and already this season, you'd expect them to get back to Division 1 now. And then on the flip side, you're going, well, Kildare, look at the underage players they have. Jack O'Connor's gone in, an All-Ireland winning coach, and you're going, well, Jacko's going to have Kildare back in the mix. And then Kildare just seemed to be, they beat Cork in their first game, and they go, right, Jacko really has this team going, and then they go and lose to Clare in Newbridge, deservedly so, on Sunday. And it's that kind of consistency. At least Mead are on that path. Like I say, they've taken over as the second-best team. They're still a way off Dublin. There's no point in, in trying to dress that up. But all, all that Mead are doing is trying to maximise their potential and maximise their, their underage players coming through, Jordan mm. Morris and these guys. And you can see that progress. Mm. And that, that's that's great to see. And, and can can Jacko get that from Kildare? Can Mike Quirk do that with Leash? 
it's 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 not easy, but like you say, when mentally, if you're a player, they're going, "What's well, so we're playing the Leinster Championship, we're playing fucking Dublin in the first game." It's a hard sell for players, but but you have to go through that. You have to try and start start somewhere. Andy, what do you what do you see when you're in a province like Connacht, where where you know we were talking about Roscommon and Galway, perhaps uh, flattering to deceive last week, and at the same time we were talking about the fact that they could still both win Connacht. Like there's there's competition there. When you're looking at at Leinster and and Dublin and their dominance over the last ten years, are you jealous of that dominance or are you thinking oh, I I don't I wouldn't want to be there? It, it really helps Dublin when John Small gets injured and they have a Leinster championship, which they know they would have win and they probably don't need to push John Small. Where if it's Michael Murphy, for instance, he gets injured and they're playing. Who who did they play first? Tyrone is it or who did they play in the first round? Johnny Gold. Donegal are on the same side of the draw as Tyrone, and in the yeah. first round, they may Tyrone have play Ka- Tyrone play Cavan first. Yeah. So whoever Donegal play anywhere, right? Michael Murphy is probably going to have to play. If he's at 60, 70, yeah. 80%, he's going to have to play. Now, where, Paddy, or where John Small, sorry, where John Small is going to be rested until he's right. So it gives yeah. them a huge, huge advantage in that regard. Now, there's a lot of stuff like that, and there's a lot of stuff flying around in terms of why it ended up like that. But you mm. have to say that the likes of Kildare, the likes of Leash, the likes of me did take their eye off the ball. There's no doubt about it. Absolute. Mm-hmm. Dublin maximised what they got, fairly or unfairly, they maximised what they got and they've done really, really well to get themselves to the level they've got to. Now, I would say one thing about Mead. I, I, I looked at John Menton, Keoghan, O'Sullivan, mm-hmm. three experienced players. There's a good chance them guys will go through their career and they won't win a Leinster title. But what mm-hmm. they're doing is they're creating a... Uh, um, I suppose a legacy, even though I hate that word, they're creating a legacy for the guys coming behind them. Yeah. Because they're absolutely, what was the term you used, Paddy? They're maximizing their potential. They're maximizing their potential. Mm. So Kyogen is an outstanding player. Yeah. Time. Like he, he he's one of those defenders yeah. where he was going man to man. And he used to, I remember Dublin used to play Mead and Berna Brogan was peak Berna Brogan and Kyogen would mark. Burnham yeah. and Dublin were well on top and winning the games. Yeah. He was giving them an absolute earful. Mm. And that's what I'm talking about, those type of defenders. But but they're kind of got out of the game. But Kogan is like that. And he's still like that. He's been around so long. And he easily could have turned around and said, I'm not going to win a Leicester yeah. championship. I'm out of here. And he's gone back and mentioned and these guys because playing for me, for them, and you can see it when you played them, and you can see it last year when, when the Leinster final didn't go well for them, how hurt they were by that. Mm-hmm. Andy McAtee, I know Andy, and I know the McAtees, like unbelievably inspirational players and, and Mead football at, the, at their core. The players want to play for Mead. And for young players coming through and they yes, see that, exactly. they want to they play for Mead. Yeah, it that's the one. If they go home, Jordan Morris comes exactly, onto, yeah. onto the side now and he's going to be an amazing player for 10 years for them. But he's going... I can't wait to play Mead. Whereas before it was kind of Dublin are going to win this. They change managers every year. They kind of one step forward, two steps back, that type of thing. And and you're just, it's going stale. There's no progress being made. And that's why I think Kildare probably missed the trick when, when McGinney left that they'd done the hard yards in three or four years of McGinney being there and they got to a point and they kind of fell away again. And it's, it's always a sign and, and, and I can understand that when, when players start leaving panels and stuff like that, that can be a sign that, that, that maybe the atmosphere or just, they're not, a, you know, the hunger to kind of keep going back to it, it isn't there. And that's fine. That, look, that's, 
a player's choice to do it, but then when you see someone like Kyogen and these guys going every every year, they're doing it for the legacy of Made and and like getting Made back, and, and you're hoping for Kildare at least to kind of get back to that level as well, you know. And for Jordan, it's hard. Morris, it is. It's and, it's yeah. hard. Like and for the, Jordan Morris to go in there and maximise it. If he didn't yeah. have a Kyogen Menton thing, the guys will tell you. Like I don't know Kieran Whelan, right? Mm-hmm. But I've heard the lads talk about Kieran Whelan. Like he didn't win all Ireland, like, but yeah. he, he did a lot to get them to the top of the mountain. You know, he showed yeah. them the way. He showed them how to be a professional. He showed them, you know, really strong characteristics that you need to be a top athlete. Like, so what Kyogen and Menton and O'Sullivan are showing for these young fellas. O'Sullivan is still young. I probably shouldn't have yeah. put him in there, but for them, he's my there. age. He's yeah. 20, 27, 28. Yeah. So, he, so but that's younger than us. Yeah, yeah. so that's young. But <laughs> you're, you're still young enough, Paddy, too. Don't be yeah. saying that. But they're they're showing, they're showing, they're showing Jordan Morris here. Right? Yeah. But, 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 and you and compete, you've, this is the small things you need. And you've hit the nail on the head. There. I, I came into the Dublin panel uh, in Pillars last year, and Wheeler was still there, and Kieran Whelan was, was like an inspirational. Is an iconic Dublin player, and even by me just being able to train with him for a year, Wheeler was obviously coming to the end, and I was hoping to kind of start start my career out. It just gives you, as a young player, an insight that this is what it's about. Mm-hmm. Like playing for your county, playing for Dublin, you need to you need to have a mentality. You need to be hard. You need to be you need to be ready to put your shoulder to the wheel, and that's what experienced older players do for younger guys and that's what like even looking at Mayo and their example I know they've had huge turnover this season but a lot of those guys like O'Shea Mulligan and McLaughlin these guys Tommy Connery coming in they got a year of of watching Keith and watching Dory Vaughan and watching Tom Parsons like if you if you want to say to a young player what does it mean to play for Mayo getting the chance to train with those guys for a year that shows you for young players coming through and that's why Mead they, it is building. It's it's slow, and it, you can get supporters getting frustrated because traditionally it was always success. If we beat Dublin, that that shows where we're at. They're probably they're still not. If I'm being honest, I, I I don't expect Dublin not to win the Leinster Championship this year. But but I think in terms of progress and things like that, Mead are doing that. You can see it and get it back to Division One, and that's what you're. To be honest, Dublin are hoping for from for someone like Kildare yeah. that Jack O'Connor can turn it around because. It, it's, it's no real benefit to Dublin. It's no real benefit to supporters. Like you're saying, Tommy, going to Crow Park in a Leinster final is usually a brilliant day out. I remember going when I was a kid and, and Mead were beating Dublin all the time. They yeah. were an amazing experience. Where it's it's gone stale. There's no two ways about it. Andy, Andy McEntee brought a Mead minor team to a Leinster final and all Ireland final in 2012. And that was a team that Killian O'Sullivan played on, Paul Carnan, son Shane McEntee. About five yeah. or six of that team now. Connor McGill was the year before that. No young players came through in Mead, really, for the next seven, eight years. But the crop that's come through now, Matthew Costello would play wing back last year. He's more of a, a wing forward. Jordan Morris, Carl Hickey, they are good enough. But in saying that, they just still look so far away in the Lancer final last year. They look so far away. When, when you were when you were preparing for that game, Paddy, did you feel at any stage that Mead could challenge Dublin? Yeah, well, with the, the talk beforehand, we knew Mead had, had had adapted a slightly different attacking style. They were running from everywhere, very similar to what Armagh are doing, and they were scoring goals. Did they get four or five goals against Kildare in the Leinster? In the second final. half, yeah. Really athletic. Keelan Sullivan, like, he scored two goals this weekend. Like, they're dangerous. And, and that was our kind of mentality going in. We need to... And, and that's the thing with Dublin. The preparation Dublin put in, you might think that Dublin are going playing Mead and I think if we won 10 Leinster Championships in a row, we'll win this game hand. We don't need to prepare. Dublin prepared for that game. We knew exactly who we needed to target. We knew exactly who we needed to try and take out of the game. Who are Mead's danger men? 
And we prepared for that game as well as it was Mayo in the All-Ireland final three weeks after that. You know, and so that's why Dublin, Dublin aren't giving anything back. Dublin aren't dropping their standards or being complacent. We prepared for that mid game and we knew if we switch off and allow them to run from deep, they can score goal chances. Kenny O'Sullivan had a goal, had a goal chance in the first couple of minutes that he actually missed. Yeah. And we were we were fuming about that because that's what we we prepared to stop. But that's that's you're the smiling, thing. Andy. You're smiling there. What are you smiling about? No, no, Paddy just told a great story off air before. I'm just gonna ask him to I won't do it this week. <laughs> but the the the, the um the physical physicality is, is like it is compound interest, like you basically build it up. Yeah. Right. So if you've Kieran Kilkenny, right? So if he played against them boys, just say it, okay, it doesn't matter if he does it. And he's lifting weights from 16, 17, 18, 19, doing his training. He's not missing any of that section. Mead probably went from that minor team. I don't know what the setup was then when they came into the senior setup. Joe, if you're not getting that level of physicality, that level of training, you're losing your years. Mm. Now, what I've noticed with Mead since we played them, I remember in that game in 2019 against us, at halftime, that was a game now. That was a proper game. Like the Mead were, but we were just we just ran over them in the last twenty minutes because Mead literally ran out of steam. Mm, if yeah. you look at Dublin against Mio last year, so Mio went with a way lighter, younger team last year. So if you look at it, that game is essentially over at fifty minutes. Dublin v Mio, right? Yeah. We we score our one point in the last. I remember we had a bad injury. Lee did Lee was Lee down for about seven minutes. Yeah. The game went to seventy-seven minutes. And we scored one point from the 50th minute to the 77th minute last year. But, but the first Dublin, half, yeah. Mayo were flying. Yeah, but Dylan O'Connor but, was but, flying. But, but, what, it, it took, but what I'm saying, Paddy, it took all our energy to get to 50 minutes to be in the game. And then yeah. the young fellas who, who were just starting out on their track, they were just go, depleting. We're Dublin, we're bringing on Howard, bringing on Mannion. Mm. Mannion Specimens. Yeah. Like, so it, yeah. it, it, it's, you, you build up that level of energy that you can last yeah. for 70 minutes in a game and me just aren't there yet now in three four years time they may well be but at this point in their careers they're not and, and that, that's yeah. just the, the simple fact so last year against Dublin in the Leinster final yes they got a trimming but physically they weren't going to be there anyway in my opinion you know okay okay um we're not going to learn a huge pile about me to Mayo at the weekend that's going to be a dead rubber um Kildare have a chance of getting promotion so we'll see what happens there in the rest of Division 2 Clare obviously flying under Colin Collins Corks yeah. will have a chance so we, we, we'll, we'll see what happens and we'll have much more on that next week uh, we've a couple of quick fire Instagram questions here um, before we do that can I get your score of the week Paddy Cunningham seemed to win it again, last week what a match uh, is he, is he going to win it again this week boys in step this time nah I, I know who I'm going with this week who are you going yeah. with Paddy uh, McCurry's score against um, Armagh Beautiful. Gets the, gets the one where he gets the arse out. So the ball comes in. It's not a great ball down the line. So he gets the arse into the Armada defender, nudges him off. And he's kind of thinking, will I go down and pick this up? No, I'm going to a little bit of style here. I'm going to jab it up into my hand. And I have to, I like a tight angle score myself. I was fortunate enough to get a few of them in my time. And I was thinking, is he going to, don't turn around and hand pass this back out. Pulls the trigger from close to the end line, straight over the bar. A little bit of class. That's what you want to see. That's Beautiful. what you want to see. The jab up and the score. So definitely for me. Yeah. McCurry. Darren McCurry for Paddy Andrews. Andy Moran, who are you going for? Yeah, I like McCurry's score was just it was, it was like watching Stephen O'Neill. Remember Stephen O'Neill used to swing them over from the wrong side on his oh, on his did. left foot. Yes. It, was, it was it was beautiful. So that score was just sensational. But there was a couple of great goals. So 
I'll have to go with like Recurry was me, but we'll leave that to Paddy. I'll go with Michael Langan. <laughs> I'll go with Michael Langan. Yeah, and, Jesus, let's be fair. Johnny Gall. Like it's just like you have to like begging a goal as well. Like, rattle one past begging. Remember there. you were describing, that... remember you were describing last you were describing Clarky and Clarky. Clarky. Yeah, yeah, it takes a goal. Goal, yeah. Like begging is huge. It's 12 foot, like. And like it literally <laughs> and, yeah, and it was like it was like it was like in, as you said, it was like a minor playing at Fela. Like it was yeah. just he ran but he's on, he's on the 21 when he shoots and he gets the ball the half, he gets the ball on the yeah. halfway line and very so it was a great goal they were shoot, so, okay. such goals that between, the best the best this little goal was Darrell Boynton as well right. oh we never <laughs> even got into that one brilliant what goal what is Hurston ah, doing ref blew the whistle bring lads, it back lads it's official right <laughs> no GA player was practicing tackling at all during lockdown they were practicing that dummy bounce everyone was doing the dummy oh, bounce Conor McCarthy Conor Callahan yeah yeah how are you not giving McCarthy McCarthy, one of the goals. Like McCarthy, like oh, I know no, Langan. Langan drives the, the defender was so bad. The defender was so bad. You can't give it to McCarthy. Oh, yeah, like shimmy. Score a hatchet. The hatchet oh, against him. He got. But he was so composed. His first yeah. goal. Yeah. Poor El Nien the gig. Oh, stop going. Like, going for the dive on yeah. block, and it's like no. <laughs> uh, no, it was brilliant. But point definitely McCurry for me. And just to take the nick out of Kerry, the best goal was Darren Moynihan if you count it. Okay. <laughs> Paddy Cunningham and, and Owen Cleary delivered again. Cleary scored a couple of bombs for Clare mm. when they came back to, to beat yeah. there. Kevin Feely actually scored a bloody lovely point yeah, and he was wearing white boots with the go with the white socks and the white togs and oh. the white jersey. Feely, some footballer. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a pretty good score too. I, I wanted to give it to one of McCarthy's goals. I think it was the one where he, he switched hands. He dummied and then he switched hands. Uh, that you're you're just about allowed to do, and he got away with it. And he just side footed it in, but um, I think we'll we'll give it to McCurry this week, will we? We'll give uh, it to McCurry. McCurry's the peach. Paddy, when your laptop died there and you were off air, Andy asked me, "Can you have a moan of the week?" So Andy Morin, what's your moan of the week? Go on. It's not the He's mark. Good at this, he'll be good at this. <laughs> it's not the mark, right? It's not on Paddy McCreary, but if the mark is going to be a thing. The ref needs to be given the allocated time. So Paddy McBurty catches the ball, the equalizing point, first yeah, yeah, mark in the whole game. He, he was getting takes, his breath. He takes 25 seconds. Like, like sure, that's a free kick. The ref should be in his ear, nine, eight, seven, six, yeah. and he should be counted down and it should be over. McBurty wipes his wipes his hands yeah. off his top, takes few, John, does ever by the time he takes it, his breath is back. He well, but, uh, the, 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 the reason he takes so long as well, and he's knackered. So yeah. he's won the ball. And if the mark isn't there. Donegal are not scoring because he doesn't have the energy to take on his man. Yeah. Like the mark is like, it's such a cop out. Like for me and you, Andy, we could have got another couple of years out of our career because our legs were gone by the end. Anyway, oh, if, you had so tra- ext- if you had so on track in your man, you could have stood up there. Oh, just brilliant. Like, yeah, because I might go back and play another year with the mark. But, but honestly, it's just, it's, it's nonsense. Everyone said it. I don't, I'd be surprised if it's still there for next season. It's got such a negative reaction. But, but you're, you're talking like when Conor Callahan catches the ball, the only thing in his head, I'm going at the goal. I'm taking my man on. Supporters want to see that. Fans want to see it. Players want to do that. You know, David Clifford, these guys, you want to see them win it. And the art of forward play is taking your man on and jinking like McCurry's score or Conor McCarthy's goals. If he catches that and it's a mark and he stands there and kicks the ball over the bar for the 21, I mean, no. 
Yeah. Yeah. If advanced. you're going to do it, implement the 10 seconds. If you're, if yeah, you're at least. Because at least you're, you're under pressure. Yeah. You're under yeah. pressure with the 10 yeah. seconds. You really are under pressure when it's 10 seconds to take it. Mm-hmm. And you're actually technically not allowed to take a touch. You're not allowed to bounce yeah. or take a solo. So I think Roberto took about three fouls there. <laughs> not to go back to Mead, but two of the best marks I've ever seen in Gaelic football were from Killian O'Sullivan and Brian McMahon playing for Mead. I think O'Sullivan's was against Kerry in the league last year. In the rain, he slides out and catches a, a bomb from oh, the bit of, bit of class on his knees. Stands up outside of the left boot from 45 Missed yards. It. Over the bar. Over the bar. <laughs> and last week, kicked it over the sideline. <laughs> Brian McMahon did the same thing. He caught a ball from Shane, Shane McEntee sliding out. I just think it's not over the head, but I just thought that was lovely. Um, okay, Mona of the week. I think you're spot on with that one. We have a couple, we've a, a good few questions in. We're not gonna have time to get every one of them, but I've noted them for next week. Ben wants to know what's the worst thing a defender can do to you when he's marking you? Paddy. Ben, I'll tell you what the worst thing is. If the defender starts sprinting up the pitch and you have thrown after him, that is horrible for any forward, but that's kind of on the attacking side for the defender. The, the worst thing I, I found is someone who has just taken your space. And we, we touched on it earlier in, in, in this pod, we're talking about the art of defending and defenders have nearly got complacent because they have so many numbers around. The days when you're playing corner forward and the cornerback is just on you all the time. His job, his focus, block your runs, pull your jersey, do everything. If you're going out to win a ball, you've got to fight to even get the ball. Never mind when you have it in your hands. And that type of defending just seems to be gone with the blanket defense. Um, defenders didn't have to do that. Whereas now, defenders are being asked to get back to that, that more traditional style of defending. And for me as a forward, when someone who was just hounding you all day, that's no, forward, no forward's going to like that. Andy, what did you what did you get? Uh, like Kevin Maguire for Westmead last Sunday, lads, was outstanding at full back. Like, but I mm. remember marking we marked him at our opening of our club pitch. It was a friendly, you know, my own club pitch. Yeah. And he made a show of me. But uh, we were marking, but he, <laughs> you he, hated friendlies, Andy Moore. No, you yeah, hated it, friendlies, it, never did end for him. Yeah, yeah. You didn't want to be good in the friendly. No, no but at the home pitch, Paddy, I had to score something. You know, I think I fluked an old goal there. You came out on a throne on the pitch and everything. You know, <laughs> yeah. Crown of the scepter. But pace, power, that fella that's at you, the guy yeah. that doesn't really want to play football. Like, I, I kind of yeah. made me kind of game out of, you know, kind of forcing a fella to go and play. And then I'd end up on someone weaker. And then, you know, so yeah. you'd be playing cat and mouse with them. So, yeah, a fella that doesn't want to play, that just wants sticks on you is a nightmare. Yeah. Okay. Two questions in for Andy. Uh, Michael Ward wants to, he's asking, looking forward to hearing, we've already got the answer to this one, looking forward to hearing who Andy knows this week, hashtag who was Paddy in college with. So we heard about Carl Lacey earlier on. Yeah. Andy didn't... Paddy, who, you want to tell us about who you were in college with? You sure, were he, in said, he said Mort. He said Mort. Mort was there. Yeah, Mort. was there. Uh, Michael Murphy was there. Some good nights in DCU. We all lived together at DCU as well. So Jesus Christ, it was a, it was a great couple of years now. Yeah. So we all lived in the same kind of, apartment block in on DCU campus. College parks. Yeah, Wednesday and, Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday evenings used to be hectic enough now. So it was the off-season as well. It was November, I December time. Just missed you by two years, Paddy. I was in there in 2011 myself. I did well to make it out of there in one piece anyway. Andy, we got a brilliant email in from um, a listener during the week. Can I put it to you? It's, uh, let me just find it here. It's from Patrick Feeney and the uh, email title was, the headline was, Ushin Mullen slash Keith Higgins. Well, lads, I'd love to hear your thoughts on my theory. I fear that Ushin Mullen will find himself stuck, wasted at fullback for Mayo, and I hope to see him moved out the field as soon as possible. 
It's obviously early doors yet, but he appears to have the natural athleticism and pace to stay with anyone in the country, a la James McCarthy type, who absolutely eats up the ground. We even saw him win him kickouts in the All-Ireland final last year. Yeah. Mayo have lost Parsons, Shamie O'Shea, Vaughan from the middle of the field. O'Shea has moved towards 14 and is leaving them pretty, pretty thin on the ground out there. It seems an obvious switch to me. Uh, Patrick goes on to give the example of Keith Diggins and he, uh, loads of more info there in that email, loads of really good stuff. Um, anytime I've heard a, player, a Dublin player talk about the 2013 All-Ireland Final, they always highlight Higgins moving from 11 to corner back as a huge turning point in that game. His ability to run at defenders and slip past him was killing Dublin and so he suddenly was hooked out of there at half time. After that one year at 11, he quickly returned to four and stayed there. I hope that Oshin Mullen doesn't find himself stuck back in cornerback as well. Enjoying the pod so far, keep up the good work. Patrick, what do you make of that? Should Oshin Mullen be playing further out the pitch? So I was lucky enough to, uh, Oshin came in on our last year, just before the Mead game in 2019, the Mio game, Oshin came in that week. Um, outstanding young fellow. I helped coach under 20s last year with Mio. Again, Oshin came in when he wasn't being used by the seniors uh, the week before the Galway game. Tremendous young fellow. Will do whatever is required for the team. Loves playing for Mio. Comes from a big family. Hardy as nails. Um, but Mio need him at fullback. It's, okay. it's, if he doesn't play a fullback, at the minute we played, we, we played Colin Boyle corner back for the second half the last, the, the mm. last day when he came on for Ben Doyle. It was Ushin Mullen who Patrick is saying could be playing midfield. And yet Lee Coogan, who was probably the best wing back in the country, arguably with Jack Mack in 2015, 16, 17, and 18, that time. So you had a, a, a team of, you can see that, that it's not just, we don't have Brendan Harrison, we don't have Jerk Kafke, we don't have these guys who filled Keith Higgins's. These guys mm. have filled in positions, Chris Barrett's for the last 10 years. So you do need to make a change. And for me, on this team, Oshin Mullen should be playing fullback. Um, I absolutely understand what Patrick is saying in terms of um, moving him out the field. I think he'd be an outstanding six, possibly an outstanding foil to Matty, Matty Ruan, because Matty loves driving forward and Oshin would be a natural defender, so they'd complement each other. But at this at this year, um, I think Ushin is going to play three. I think that's where we need him. Um, okay. Like if Ushin doesn't play there, who does Mercan? That's the question you need to ask yourself. So when you're robbing Peter to play Paul, it, it's like what's mm. the pros and cons of both? And to me, if David Clifford is in there, Ushin is going to Mercan. If Connor's in there, Ushin is going to Mercan. If Kieran Kenny is in there and Connor's out the field, Ushin marks Kieran Kenny. So we need him to mark their da- opposition's danger man. And same with Galway, Ushin will have to mark Damien Comer. It's as simple as that or Shane Walsh. And so we need him back there. Okay. Uh, you've been listening to a. T- Tommy, can, I have one yeah. question for you, though. Okay. Right. You said, oh, you're, the same, you said you're the same age as Killian O'Sullivan. Yeah, probably a year younger. So oh, you're you, older, you're older, you're older. Oh, were you? So you weren't age for that minor team, were you not? I was the year beforehand. I was in and around that minor team the year oh, beforehand. Oh, yeah, okay. So yeah. Like, I was thinking you had a bit of beef with Andy McEntee. Uh, so I was just wondering. Was the drink got up. No, no beef with McEntee. No, Jesus. Tommy was, Tommy was the main man and then the drink got him. He got an injury oh. and then he was on the bear and it was all downhill. <laughs> Good of it. We'll get into that in another podcast. The classic minor. The brilliant not, minor. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about my, my minor days when I, yeah. They, they, they didn't, go, they didn't go very well. They didn't go very well. <laughs> and I didn't make the most of my time in DCU, Paddy. I don't know what it was, but sure. We'll come neither back did I, but geez, I, I got out of it anyway. Th- thanks for that, Andy. You've been listening to episode three of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and Andy Moran uh, and Tommy Rooney. So uh, I've been in the middle of the last, <laughs> the last legend, little while. Mead minor legend, Tommy. Mead, not even a Mead minor legend. Didn't even get playing in the championship. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that, lads. That is 
episode three. It's a uh, it's been great so far. Thanks very much for all the support and for sharing it. And if you get to the end of this podcast, do subscribe. It's very important. It's, it's great for us as well. So we'll leave it at that and uh, enjoy the football at the weekend, everyone at home. And Paddy and Andy enjoy the football. <laughs>